Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are well, wherever you are in the world. I don't know what the weather is like, but you know the British are always obsessed with the weather, so I have to say something about it. Here, it's not too bad in the United Kingdom. It's quite a warm evening. Um, And, you know, the beautiful smells that are out there from late summer are something quite extraordinary. And I have to say, I'm always fascinated by the power of fragrance. Me, myself, being a very big perfume lover um, and a fragrance lover, but it's something that evokes the strongest memories. I don't know if you know that. Probably you did. But it is one thing, the fragrance, when you smell something, it is the most powerful to all of us to evoke a memory. Maybe you haven't thought about someone in years or something in years. And all you do is to smell this beautiful fragrance and you are back there in an instant. And I wonder whether that is actually time travel, whether the past and the future and the present are all one, and time, in fact, doesn't exist. And if somehow we could go beyond time and space, maybe, just maybe, we could all meet in a completely different place where our hearts and souls could be joined, where we could understand each other in a much more deeper way without the use of words. And that, my dear friends, is something that I think would be a beautiful gift that we should try to attain in this lifetime. Now, I am delighted this evening to welcome my guest, who is the most interesting and lovely Karen Bashford. Karen is known as the manifesting lady due to her work in helping to empower women after abuse and trauma. Ironically, it was due to the lack of success in manifesting, which led Karen on the path to discovering what was preventing her success after losing her home, suffering very, very life-threatening illnesses and experiencing two abusive relationships. Whilst training as a hypnotherapist and NLP master practitioner, Karen realized she could sense when past life, ancestral or generational connections were causing ill health, financial 
all relationship issues with her clients. Karen was born a psychic and works with clients far and wide. But it was not until she was working with her clients that she was introduced by her guides to the inner child process, which she now uses as part of her dream system to heal the past and manifest the future, something that she will talk about later on. Karen shares her knowledge and how she changed her life in her book, How to Be Imperfectly Perfect, a practical spiritual guide to becoming you. Now, she is a fascinating lady, I have to say. And today she's going to share her fantastic story. Welcome, dear Karen. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. That's lovely. Oh, well, thank you for being here, Karen. How are you today? I am good. And my puddy cat, bless her, has decided she wants to participate. <laughs> oh, yes. I have to say to the listeners that Karen has a very beautiful cat called Safi. And she's quite a character, I hear. Now, is Safi, what is that short for or is that her real name? No, her real name is Safar, and um, she's called Safi simply because I couldn't be bothered to keep calling Safar when she become known to me. Um, she's adopted me rather than me adopting her. Oh, okay. <laughs> so where? What happened? How did you um, get to meet her? I'm such a cat lover. I know oh. everyone knows this, so I have to have the story about the cat. Okay, well, Safi come to me after I moved into a bungalow that happened to be next door to her. Mm-hmm. Her and her sister were quite happily wandering the garden. Safi come and introduced to the de- herself the day I moved in. That was fine. I had no intention of having any more cats. It was just nice to have a neighbour cat. Unfortunately, her owner decided to take two dogs into the property and did not introduce her or her sister to them. They moved out rapidly because unfortunately one of them was a guard dog for a drug dealer. And very much um, believed in attacking anything that moved. So she moved in with her sister and her sister moved on about two years later, but she stayed and she's been with me ever since. And she controls my life. Bless her. Oh. She's now and- sitting quite happily on my lap with a paw coming up towards my face. Oh, oh, how old is she? She's 21. Oh, she's a little sort of grand like a little nanny lady oh yes but she behaves like a kitten (laughs) oh and she certainly isn't the usual shape for a 21 year old cat she's decidedly chubby well I've seen I've seen um photographs of her Karen and I didn't think that she was um a nanny I thought that um she was quite she looked quite young and boisterous yeah yeah, that's her, but she's 21 years old. 
Oh, bless her. Oh, dear. Whenever anyone talks about a cat, that's it. I'm off. Now, <laughs> more importantly, let's get back to your story, Karen. Uh-huh. Now, you have such a fascinating story and it's so interesting and it's so multidimensional in so many ways. But we've got to begin somewhere. Mm-hmm. So let us begin right at the beginning. Where did your incredible journey start how did all this begin um well I was born to parents that cared for me showed me life and supported me encouraged me did the best they could for me um and I was blessed with being able to see ghosts uh, the Americans call them spirits um, as a child up until the time I actually went to my first school I played with ghosts with children and I used to push them on swings and things like that my parents used to let me lay the table for them it was fantastic until as I say I went to my first school and the teacher turned around when I said somebody can't sit next to me my friend's sitting there and I got told who's sitting there my friend he's a ghost he's a little boy from the past and the teacher told me not to be so stupid okay that's where my psychic abilities started to be shut down a bit Um, my parents did their best Um, and supporting me and encouraging me to not shut them down but unfortunately you want to fit in don't you Mm. and I had to fit in at the school and this school teacher did not believe in ghosts so that's where the story started and it progressed I suppose from there I didn't believe in myself for a very very long time um seeking love without knowing it because at 50 years old I discovered my parents had never told me they loved me or hugged me it was just something that was part of my life I hadn't realized it was missing but unconsciously I was seeking love so I chose a man who I should never have married and if I'd had the courage and the car going up to the church when the driver kept saying I can turn around now I can turn around it's okay I can turn around if I'd had the courage to say yes please my life would have been totally different but I didn't because I didn't want to let my parents down or anyone else who were going to be at the church or the reception so I went through with it worst decision I could have made and I stayed married for 16 years it was horrendous he was narcissistic he was very manipulative very controlling very very selfish he didn't believe in working he invariably got jobs and then lost them so basically I spent 16 years supporting him and it it taught me a lot about self-respect 
about loving myself, listening to my intuition, not, not, not ignoring it, and recognizing that I had to be responsible for my own life. I asked for a divorce, which was probably the hardest thing I had to do because he was so nasty with it. I come away with probably less than £6,000, having spent 16 years financially supporting him and building a beautiful home. He would not believe I had no money because of the time I'd spent supporting him. So he wasted a year and a half of our lives arguing that I had money. And financially, I came away broke. Emotionally, he had basically wrecked my confidence. Totally and absolutely wrecked my confidence. And I thought, that's it, done with it, finished, no more. Only to then proceed to go away on a very beautiful holiday on my own to Corfu. Loved the two weeks I was there. Came back into a temporary job and met my next partner who wasn't just a narcissistic, he was also physically abusive. He unfortunately liked drugs, he liked alcohol, and he liked having his own way. And if he didn't get his own way, he used his fists. And I would often think, why didn't I listen to myself? Why did I go into this relationship? And again, it was because I was seeking love. I wanted to be loved. And at that point, I did not know. My parents had never told me they loved me. So I was seeking something I didn't know why I was seeking or what I was seeking. All I knew was that there was something missing in my life. And I kept hoping my husband would provide it. My partner would provide it. But it wasn't probably until it reached the point where I thought I just can't do this anymore with my partner. And I started looking for answers. And the answers came in strange ways. It was like I was guided to read books. I was guided to go to attend events. I was guided to just take time out and think of what I really wanted in life. And even though my partner and I stayed together probably for about 16 years again, it wasn't until he finally moved out that I had the courage to realize that I didn't want him back. But it took me another six years before I finally 
walked away totally. That is quite a story. <laughs> that is quite yeah. a story. <laughs> and I'm wondering, I'm wondering in all of this, as you were telling this story, Karen, is how much of that is due to the fact that you were suppressed at that early age of, in a way, following your calling in life. And I think that is for all of us in some way, that when we suppress or repress what we're really meant to be doing, we can make decisions that are possibly not the best decisions for our life. And I think we can't make good decisions or wise decisions, none of us, when we're in a place where we are in self-denial and we're denying who we are. So as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, how many times in my life, how many times in everyone's life out there have we not respected ourselves enough and therefore allowed totally unacceptable behaviour for some from somebody else. Yes, I must admit, um, looking back, I would say I don't regret my decisions because I learned from my decisions. Mm. It's made me the person I am. It's given me a purpose that perhaps is stronger in a calling than it would have been previously. My background is finance. I've worked for a bank for 20 years. I've been a financial advisor. I've worked in financial market research. And when I initially started coaching after qualifying as a hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner, I focused on money mindset and helping women understand their relationship with money is very much to do with what they believe about themselves, not money itself. So knowing that, and now knowing that I focus on women that have been abused and traumatized because of relationships, I think I had to go through those experiences to bring me to where I am now and for my guides to give me the method that I use to get such deep level healing mm. and results for them. If I hadn't had those experiences, if I hadn't done the digging deep for myself and discovering A, my parents hadn't told me they loved me, B, the realization that I was looking for love, the realization that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And if we don't, our body, mind and soul does its damnedest to bring it to our attention that something is wrong, which is why I went through financial ruin, basically, why I went through so many health issues, including an autoimmune disease that children get at four years old, that generally once they have it will pass by 10. I got it at 40. 
And without treatment, because the hospital I was under, it was a rare illness in the UK at the time. And the hospital consultant decided to put me on antibiotics because my body basically was eating itself from inside. It did, my white cells did not recognize I did not have germs and bacteria in my body. So all it would do is produce more and more white cells to destroy the bacteria that wasn't there. So it's actually eating my body inside out. What condition is that, Karen? It's called um, Langerhand cell histiastosis, um, treated as a form of cancer. And which is why I was given antibiotics originally, because I refused chemotherapy. Unfortunately for me, the doctor made a mistake on the prescription and gave me 800 milligrams of antibiotics a day instead of 200. Within a week, you would not have recognized me. I literally had been poisoned by the antibiotics. I stopped eating because I couldn't eat. I basically struggled to even drink water because my body reacted to the water. So for five years, I had to learn how to manage my body, not only to heal it from the autoimmune disease, but to teach it to recognize it was okay to eat, it was okay to drink. My food went down from a range to five things basically and I had to reteach my body how to accept food and how are you now totally clear of it not had it for 20 years I healed myself without any further contact with the hospital which is why I stress when I work with clients you are responsible for your body. Your body talks to you. Listen to it. I decided to listen to it. And in listening to it, I realized my body was actually responding initially through the autoimmune disease by telling me I was out of balance, that my soul wasn't happy. Mm. with what was going on in my life and I need to listen. So that's initially why I got the autoimmune disease. But then it was like a double kick because of the antibiotics poisoning. It made me seriously look at my life and what was going on in my life. And as soon as I started doing that, the autoimmune disease started to heal itself. So then it was just a case of focusing on what my body needed to heal itself from the poison, which was something entirely different. That wasn't body created, that was externally created. That's a very important point, because I think for many people out there, Karen, they don't have the knowledge sometimes or the understanding about their body. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because ultimately, as you quite rightly say, we are responsible 
for this vessel that our soul is, you know, traveling in. And the body speaks, you know, of course, I know, the body speaks to us in so many ways. And you having suffered so many, you know, life-threatening illnesses and all the experiences that you've been through, I think, you know, the greatest healers go through the most traumatic tests in life. Because I think that is what teaches us compassion. Mm. And unless we have that compassion for ourselves, we can't have it for anybody else. It's impossible. And I think in these times, just as you and I were speaking about before we started the show, it's a time now where people are being called upon by their own inner being by their own soul to find that purpose but as you said there's so much unresolved trauma that goes on even that we don't even realize has happened to us no that's the sad thing about it Mm. trauma can happen so easily Being born is a trauma in itself. Now, Mm. I'm not criticizing cesarean or anything like it, but you're being forced to be born at a moment you're not ready for. That's a trauma. Yeah. And you carry that trauma. The mother carries that trauma. The baby carries that trauma. That is just the start of it. If something happens within the mother's womb that causes the mother to experience trauma, an emotional shock, the baby picks that up and it becomes part of their makeup before they're even born. So if the mother is threatened by their partner in some way or they experience some kind of threatening situation, that fear is already in the baby as a trauma. I believe that 1,000% because we are so much more, aren't we? We're not just a being that's been born and we live this life. And this is, I think, where a lot of, you know, people find it so difficult in these times is that everything seems to be so materialistic. Um, it has a lot to do with technology, but actually it's driving people further and further away from their real essence. But when we look at even before we were born, as you said, what was going on before, I mean, I, I, do believe this really sincerely that you know we all agreed to come onto this planet this is not you know a coincidence and um for whatever reason and for whatever we had to learn here but we have to look at our life in its entirety that there's so much more to us it's not just about being born and living and getting married or not getting married or having children or not having children that is not what the reality of life is about no definitely not the reality of life is that we are spiritual beings we come to live as humans to experience life to grow as a spiritual being 
that includes the trauma re-experience, that includes any anything that happens to us that allows us to grow, to experience those experiences. What we forget is we have a point that we reach where it says enough. We don't need to continue with this story. We can take action to create change. And that's basically what I started to do. Each time I had a realization that I was responsible for my life, my body was communicating with me. My, my, my mind was saying to me, this is what I believe, but my body was saying something else. And my soul was crying to me to say, please, can we look at this? And that was partly my spiritual guide saying to me, look at what's happening why is this happening are you accepting this are you tolerating this or are you choosing to make changes and it was like every time i got a kick up the backside i suppose from the mm. universe my guides it created a new realization that then took me on a different path to another realization. It's not until you're prepared to accept that you are fully responsible for what is happening to you, that you can really truly step out and say, this is me. This is who I am and this is why I'm here. But you have to go through that journey to discover what's happened to you, why your body's reacting as it is, why your soul is trying to get your attention as well. Yes, that's very important because I, I do believe this and I've had experience of this with many people and including myself where actually Every sort of physical ailment is actually a manifestation of a spiritual ailment. Mm -hmm. And one goes in hand with the other. The physical doesn't appear unless it's appeared in the physical realm, in the mm -hmm. spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. So, but learning to understand that, it takes a huge amount of bravery, doesn't it, Karen? Oh, yeah. I could have walked away quite easily and just said, okay, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just going to allow myself to be ill. I'm just going to just basically accept what's going on, not fight it, not try and find answers, but just accept. But then would I be happy? And we're here to be happy. And if you're not prepared to face the challenges, and to grow through the challenges, are you ever going to be really happy? And happiness is momentary, isn't it? It's something that people always say, I want to be happy and I want to be happy. I have a friend of mine and this is her favorite line. I want to be happy. But what's going to make you happy? Um, I'm not really sure. Mm. And we can get so caught up in chasing these rainbows and these stars of happiness that actually we miss everything that's inside of us. Mm. That's where we're going to find the answers. But if we're too traumatized 
And as you said, we don't even realize it. And that's what I want to talk to you about and ask you is, you mentioned going back now, you mentioned that your parents never told you that they loved you, but you only realized this later on in life. Is that correct? Yes. So all through your childhood, you didn't realize that they didn't say to to you, I love you. No. I didn't realise at all. It was not part of their vocabulary. It wasn't part of my life. And I I mm-hmm. never consciously thought about it yeah. because it wasn't there. And I, I suppose because it was just part of what I grew up with, even when I started going to friends' houses and, you know, seeing other children and seeing them with their parents, I didn't really listen for it because I wasn't conscious of it. Okay, so you were not aware of its existence in a way? No, No, not at all. Not at all. And how how did you realise that? Um, I was working with a coach and she said to me on one session, at the start of a session, Karen, tell me, what do you truly want in your life? What would you really love in your life? And out the blue come this these words I just want my parents to love me to tell me they love me and I'm not kidding I was in tears because I had never ever realized it was such a missing part of me because we come to this world expecting our parents to love us and yes my parents loved me but they found it impossible to and even now my mother cannot say the words to me unfortunately my father's passed so I know he never will but my mother still cannot say to me if I say I love you to her I will always get back and me from her she cannot physically say the words, I love you. And how does that affect you now? I've accepted it. I still, mm-hmm. as you probably heard in my voice, the knowledge is still within me that I've never heard it. And that still, at a deep level, impacts me. But that's more a case of, as a child, what did I miss? As an adult, I understand why it happened. I understand that it was because neither of my parents ever heard the words themselves. And so it was a generational thing. It carried through generations. I know for a fact, um, at least four or five generations back, none of them ever spoke the words, I love you. And how do you feel about love? I see love as an extension of my soul because we are born to love and to be loved. Mm. I am the first one to go and give somebody a hug, even when it wasn't allowed. Naughty. Um, But... To me, it's an expression of love. And I'm quite happily saying to somebody, I love you. I will end my messages with, I love you. Because 
loving is the expression of of me mm-hmm. and of, of other people. Why should we not acknowledge that love is part of us? I think because people, I don't have the answers. I'm not wise enough for that. But from what I see, from what I've seen in my experience is that, I mean, I just want to love everybody. And me and my friend had this thing once where I would say, oh, I love everybody on the motorway when we were driving on the motorway. And then some days I'd be in a bad mood and say, I I don't want to be friendly with anyone. She said, don't you love everyone on the motorway? No, I don't love everyone on, on the motorway. But sometimes you can feel that immense, strong feeling and state of being, I think, of being in love with everyone and everything. And I... And that is truly something that comes from deep within us. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I believe we were created in love and to be love, but people are afraid. And I think that the word is so easily said, but to actually feel it from somebody Mm. is something completely different because your parents could have said to you, all day and every day, I loved you, you know, I love you, but maybe not shown it. Mm. On the, on the other hand, they could have shown it, but never said it. So what's more important? I don't know. Is is it a personal thing? Is it what one soul needs and another soul doesn't need the confirmation? I don't know, Karen, what do you think? Well, based on the five languages of love, we each have a way of receiving love. Now, I do know mine is quality time. The five languages of love, what's that? Okay, so the five languages of love are quality time, Mm -hmm. affirmations, acts of service. Oh, God, now you've got me. Um, Touch. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I can never remember the fifth one. Um, Gifts. Uh So you've got those ways of receiving love, and we each have our favourite. I, since having been in my two relationships, realised to me the most important thing was quality of time. So if you're going to spend time with me, you give me your attention. You don't do other things. You just give me attention. And then I'm happy. My love tank is topped up. Mm. I also love to give quality time. But I, because of um, my training and all the research I've done and the fact that I'm conscious that I didn't hear words of love, that other people need to sometimes hear those words or receive those gifts, even if they're tiny little gifts. Even giving somebody a sweet is a gift as far as that person is concerned. It's Mm. how they receive love. So for me, the fact I didn't hear my parents say those words 
really shouldn't have made any difference based on the fact I love quality of time. But I think as spiritual beings of love, words matter as much as physical actions. Yeah. So I think there is there was a disconnect for me on top of the fact I was told by a teacher I couldn't see ghosts. It was almost as if words had become important. The lack of words as much as the physical words spoken had become important to me because of those experiences I had with my parents initially. Now, these spirits, let's call them spirits. Yeah. Did they give you love? I felt love. And there was no question that they were happy to be with me, that they wanted to be with me, that mm -hmm. they enjoyed my company. And there was never any question of, oh, well, you can't do this or you can't do that because you're not a spirit or you, you know, you're human. There was nothing like that at all. They were showing me, I suppose, that love is all enclosing, it surrounds you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, I understand what you're saying. And I'm just curious as to whether your experience in the spiritual realm with these beings that were part of your everyday life, because they obviously are functioning and existing in a different reality. Mm -hmm. It's when they crisscross into our dimension mm -hmm. that um, some people can see them and some people can't. But mm -hmm. also their communication is very different because their um, essence is different. They're made of a different essence than us as human beings. Mm -hmm. So I wonder whether this love that you speak about is also because you have experienced so many different types of love in a way. And I know a friend of mine who said to me that, you know, she has connections with the spirit realm and they find it very difficult. People then find it very difficult who have these connections to have relationships on this earthly realm because it's such a different type of engagement. So I'm wondering if there is something in that, that this love that you speak about actually for many people is something that they can never attain to because they are connected to the other spheres, so to speak. And we can't not pull that into the, you know, onto the table because we're all different. It's a good question and something I'd never really thought about before, but my instinct states that as spiritual beings, 
there is no reason why we should not experience pure love. But it has to start with ourselves. Absolutely. But when, I mean, I've heard of many things and many people have told me about these things and their experiences. But when you are communicating with the other realms, it is not your day. You're not a day to day I mean, no one's a day-to-day person, but, you know, you're, who, who say is a day-to-day person? But um, when we're pretending, let's put it that way, when we're all pretending to be day-to-day people, doing day-to-day uh-huh. things, uh, that's sort of a, a role that we play. But mm-hmm. if you, as a child, Karen, were involved in these other realms, your perception and your, you know, antennae are going to be far more uh, sharper and you will be far more sensitive to these types of realities. And when you then bring this, because they are of a different essence, these different Mm -hmm. worlds are different, as you know. And these beings, they are not the same. They are made differently. So, if you're engaging in that world and then you come to the earthly realm and you have to be a day-to-day person uh, with a normal type of job, um, so to speak, it's never going to really work on that level, I don't think. You would have to find, I suppose, not only like-minded people, but also the energy of somebody would have to be very similar to yours for you to feel that um, completeness in a way with them. I'm just wondering. In that sense, yes, I find that I go for people that have had the deep work or worked on themselves deeply. Um, and yes, they tend to be people that can can connect with the spirit world. But that doesn't stop me experiencing the love of everyday people, as you put it. Um, there is still a love. It's just there is a disconnect and I acknowledge this in myself, that when I was with my abusive partners, I disconnected from myself, from my own feelings, from love of myself. In fact, until I started to explore what I was missing in life, I had not realized how disconnected I was from my own love. Mm, That's Um, interesting, yeah. And once I started to realize that, I started to accept that I had to love myself before I could truly experience love from another being. Now, that being is obviously human, but there's obviously the spiritual world as well. Mm. But there is, yes, as you say, there is a different element to it. In the spiritual world, there is a higher vibration to that love. But a human can reach that higher vibration if they're prepared to 
work on themselves and release all the negativity that we bring to ourselves through our parents, through generations, through cultural, through society, we can rise ourselves above that energy and reach a vibrational level that is very similar to the spiritual level. And you attain that by loving yourself to that point where you're not being selfish by saying other people don't matter. You're recognizing that you have to be number one in your life to be able to maintain that love of self and respect of self to be able to then contribute to others. Absolutely, absolutely. But do you feel that you being a lady who has these talents that cross the dimensions, such as you have your guides, etc., is it more difficult to find love? I would honestly and truthfully say yes, I suppose it is. Because Mm. I've experienced pure love from spirit. I've learned to love myself to the point where I will put myself first, not because it's selfish or anything like that, because I recognize that if I don't, my energy is impacted drastically. But I also recognize that if I want love, I have to be in tune to love that will bring me joy, whether it's from a human or whether it's from an animal or whether it's from spirit world. If I want to feel love in this world, I have to accept that love has to come from a human being as much as a spiritual being. And is that something that you found easy to do? Yes, I have, but I find that This might sound weird to some people, but the universe has a tendency, not through my choice, but I find that sometimes I lose friends because they aren't matching my energy. So I find that it's like I start disconnecting from them unintentionally because they're not matching my energy. Yes, that's that was my thought, that is it that um, pretty much more so now in these times, as I call them the end of times, really, because I believe that they are, mm-hmm. um, is it that people that we have known for such a long time, whether they be family, friends, lovers, whatever, whatever. Mm. Are we all 
detaching from the energies that no longer vibrate on our frequency in order to move upon our path in a more definitive way? I would say yes, definitely. People aren't aware of it, but it is definitely happening, which is why I believe so many more women are seeking help and support to move themselves from where they are now into that higher realm because they're recognizing that there is this need within them to be serving in a different way to what they've served previously. And there's no reflection on men, but simply the way the patriarchal society we've lived in has put the woman down. It's no longer serving the woman in the way it might have done. That they're now starting to realize that they don't want that. They want something more for themselves. Give me an example. Okay. Right. I'm thinking of a client I've worked with um, and I'm still working with. And she's quite happy for me to share her story, knowing I won't disclose who she is or to give any secrets away for where she is or anything like that. She is in a loving relationship and she knows that. But she also recognizes for herself that that loving relationship is one that she has been dominated by, but she doesn't want to lose that relationship because she genuinely loves her husband and he genuinely loves her. But she's now starting to realize that because it has been a dominating relationship, she's looking at her life and thinking there's got to be more than just being in this relationship. There's got to be more than just being the wife and being the mother. There's got to be more to it. So she come to me partly because she's had huge health issues. And it is this realization that somewhere in her past, there was something that happened to her. She didn't know what, but until she dealt with it, she was never going to find the real satisfaction of being a woman and recognizing that she was worthy of being a successful woman. Mm -hmm. So she's literally been working with me and we have now reached that point where she can see her future, whereas before she couldn't. We found the initial childhood trauma where she was abused as a baby but we also found a past life trauma that had carried through probably 10 generations um 
that was playing out in her life. We've also found a event that happened um, in Charles II's century um, that, again, was part of her past lives that, again, were playing out in this lifetime. And it was like in finding all those answers, she's now recognized she has the right to express what she wants and to be able to, she still can't love herself, but she can respect herself. So is that something that you do, Karen? Um, you delve into past lives also? Yes, I do past lives. I do generational lives. I do um, dimensional as well. I can um, work on land issues. I can um, connect back to spirit and find answers that spirit can give the answers to. Now, I want to ask you, and of course, I'm not asking you to divulge your secrets, but people will say out there, I mean, I understand this, but some people will say out there who are new to this, how do you know about ancestral and generational things? Because, you know, there's lots of things out there like past life regressions and things like that. How do you do that? Do you do that on your own? Or do you do that with your guides? Um, with the past life and any ancestral clients are always, always involved. Um, I am basically their guide. Um, I work on the basis that I only need a very small amount of a person's story of what their life is up to that point so mm -hmm. if a child had been abused by a parent or witnessed abuse whether there was financial problems within the family whether there was um, health issues within the family all things like that just a mm. very small amount I don't want to know their story it's their story I don't mm. need to know it just giving me that allows me to know where the starting point needs to be for them. Oh. And interestingly, I don't hypnotize them. I don't need to. If you show somebody how to connect back to their true self, their soul, they have all the answers inside. They don't need me to tell them. They mm. can actually do the work and find the answers themselves. All I'm there for is to guide them on the actions they need to take. Mm. But once they connect, they can be way ahead of me. Because once they start getting the answers, they know the stages they need to go through to resolve the issues that they have. So everyone has their answers with inside them. It's just tapping into that into those answers. And yes, they might say to me, I don't know if this is true, 
but this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm being given. I'm not to question that. It's what they're being given. If I feel that they're missing something, I can ask questions. But generally, a client working with me will have the answers within seconds once they connect in. And it's just a case of confirming for themselves that what they're receiving, because if you listen for the very first answer or the very first feeling or the very first image, it will be the truth. Your soul, your intuition, your guides, whatever you want to call them, however you want to work, will never lie to you. They gain nothing from lying. Your ego does because your ego wants you to stay stuck in this place of safety. Which is why you should never think of the answers, which is why you should always trust the first impression, the first words, whatever you receive are the correct answers. So no, I don't, my guides are there to just support me, but basically they're there to help me help the client. I often find that with clients, I get a sensation in my body. Mm -hmm. um, the client I worked with recently, the first call I um, had with her was she was just asking how I worked and whether I could help her because she'd been to so many other people, therapists and counsellors and everything, had still not found the answers to why she was experiencing what she was experiencing. And she was just talking to me, explaining what she'd been doing. And I suddenly turned around and said, stop talking. Please just stop talking. I have a quite really important question to ask you. And she said, oh, OK. Now, I'm not normally that rude, but my throat was closing up because mm -hmm. I was feeling like a fork was being pulled down my throat. And I said to her, who did you need to say, listen to me to? And she said, that was my mother. My mother never listened to me. I had to create illnesses to be heard. And that's what I had experienced with her. I literally felt somebody was putting a fork down the inside of my throat. And it felt as though my throat was closing up. But that's the kind of feelings I can get. I can get heart palpitations. I can get stomach pain. I can feel as though my head's exploding. All kinds of things. And that's me connecting in with the person and their mm. energy and what was going on in their lives that they needed to recognize and acknowledge for themselves. But no, I, my guides are just there to support me, support the clients. Okay. Now, you do something called the dream system. Mm -hmm. What is that? Right. The dream system is based on my book, um, 
I wrote the book in 15 days, thanks to my guides. I literally was given the title, the chapters, and in 15 days, I'd written the whole book. Um, but the dream system is literally discovery and diagnosis. R is review and reflect. E is empowerment. A is alignment and M is manifestation. And if you go through that process, you will, at the end of it, be clear of your trauma, of your abuse, past history, limiting beliefs, and anything else. You will be truly aligned to your true self and your vibrational energy will be high that you can start manifesting whatever you want into your life. Now, manifestation, mm -hmm. sometimes a tricky little subject. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes. <laughs> it is indeed, isn't it? Yes. Um, now, my question to you is, what about people that manifest things that are possibly not good for them? Oh, I know all about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I discovered about manifestation is if mm. you use the word don't want, mm -hmm. um, especially the word don't, you create it still because basically the universe doesn't recognize the words don't. Um, but the trouble with manifestation as well is you have to be ultra clear on what you want. As I know from my own personal experience, I, um, because of my mother's health, I moved down from London down to the south, south coast um, and moved into a rented room simply so I could be close to my mother when she needed me the most because mm -hmm. unfortunately she's got dementia. She'd also been involved in a pedestrian car accident which meant she struggled to move around. So I moved down, found this place who was happy to take my cat. Most places aren't unfortunately and moved in. I'd been there for about six months and it was like something was off. It was like, mm, I really need to start looking for somewhere to live. And I kept thinking, oh, do I really have to? And um, the universe obviously decided that I'd put en enough messages out to say, I really need to look for somewhere to live, that it forced me to look for somewhere to live in the sense of my landlord gave me a month's notice. Trouble was, I couldn't find somewhere to live because of my cat. Landlords and room renters don't want, and um, well, cats especially because of allergy response, you know, responses. Mm -hmm. So um, the universe come to the end of the month, and it was like, I've got nowhere to live. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? So I packed up my car, took my stuff down to my mum. I couldn't stay at my mum's because she wasn't allowed pets. So it was a case of, okay, so for two nights, I decided to sleep rough while I figured out what I was going to do. And I slept in my car with the cat, 
no problem at all, found a nice safe place and I felt safe. Anyway, like on the third day, it was like, what am I going to do? Come on, universe. I know I said I wanted to be out of that place. And it suddenly dawned on me. I had actually been putting out to the universe that I would like to live in a mobile home. Oh. <laughs> um, I didn't quite get the mobile home because to rent one, being the summer period was silly prices for just three days so I didn't quite get a mobile home on top of which they say pet friendly but they mean dog friendly so Puddy Cat oh. couldn't come with me and there was no way I was going to leave her with anyone or I couldn't find anyone to take her for a start off so it was like okay so you're listening to me, universe, and trying to find me a mobile home. So I landed up in a tent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was such an adventure, though. <laughs> you see, be careful what you wish you for. You wish for, yes, definitely. Mm. I wasn't clear that when I meant a mobile home, I literally meant a mobile home, not a tent. <laughs> I kept putting out yeah. it'd be nice to live in a mobile home or at least be in somewhere where there was country, you know, around me. Well, yeah, a field was country around me. <laughs> what a story. So, yes, so Puddy Cat and I had some real fun, didn't we? So how long were you in the tent for? Um, two weeks in total. And then the universe sort of out the blue said, here you are, there's your new home. And it literally, the home I'm in now, the flat I'm in now, is exactly what I asked for originally between wanting a home again and thinking a mobile home would be nice. <laughs> so That's it, why I say it's a very tricky subject. Yeah, you have to be really clear on what you're looking for. Um, in the sense of if I specified that I was wanting this home, but I was happy to go into a mobile home or to be in an environment such as a tent for a short period of time, oh. it would probably been a lot easier. But obviously, I didn't know how long I was going to wait to find somewhere to live with my cat. Yeah, if I didn't have my cat, it wouldn't have been an issue at all. But unfortunately, mm. cats aren't acceptable. I'm really surprised about that. I always thought that dogs weren't acceptable, so I'm surprised that cats aren't. No, if you ask around, dogs are more acceptable in the sense of they don't molt so much they're not likely to go invading other people's properties and things like that whereas a cat will get themselves out of all kinds of places and wander but on top of which a cat is more inclined to cause allergy reactions oh. if you speak to people Cats are the ones that cause the allergies far more than dogs. And I must admit, Safi, bless her, molts like there's no tomorrow all the time. 
So to go into a property knowing that you're going to have a cat that molts and their fur goes everywhere. Mm, mm, mm. So, yes, I can understand why they say no cats, but a lot of places will say no pets at all. That's a shame. Mm. That's a real shame. So your Safi has led you on quite an adventure. Oh, yes. Bless her. She certainly has. (laughs) And I love her to pieces for it because she will come up in the morning, lay down next to me and literally snuggle up and give me hugs in her cat version. Oh, and how long have you had her? Uh, Probably 10 years now. 10 years. Yeah. My goodness. Do you, um, I haven't watched it, but it reminds me of the story sort of loosely. Um, I, I'd like to watch it. Of Is it a cat named Bob? Yes, it's a beautiful story. It have really, you seen really film? is. Um, yes, I or think with... I have. Yeah. 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 She's That's a bit like that. Yeah, she's yeah. a bit like that. She will sit and look very pretty and let everyone stroke her. And then she'll turn her nose up and walk away. I've had enough. Thank you. But I always say I'm her slave. I don't own her. I'm not her owner. I am her slave. Yes, I think all of us cat owners know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cat comes first. Human comes second. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, what a story. There's so many things that are so intriguing about you, Garen, that I would love to talk to you. So you must come back on again. Um, Wow. What a fascinating lady you are. Thank you. Ah, an absolute delight, really, to have you on tonight. It was, I was captivated by each of your stories and what you had to say. And there's so much profound wisdom in it. And only someone who's been through so much and experienced so much can really be such a good storyteller. Thank you. It's been a pure pleasure, I can assure you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Now, for people out there who want to know more about you and about, is it two books that you've written? Yes, um, it's How to Be Imperfectly Perfect, A Practical Spiritual Guide to Becoming You. Mm -hmm. It's practical because I'm very practical in myself. But it's also connecting back to who you truly are. And the other one is, um, what's your money personality? That was written from my experiences of working in the bank and seeing how people behave with their money. Mm -hmm. And it's based on animals, um, the characteristics of an animal. Like you get the squirrel. Um, The squirrel is very much the holder, um, Mm. but it also likes to spend. However, the hamster is the total holder. 
you get the cat who loves to spend, loves to give gifts, but it's often flat broke. Then you get the ostrich who sticks its head in the sand and doesn't want to know anything about money. Um, you then get the cuckoo who basically says, here are, you look after my money. I don't care. You do whatever you want. I cannot look after it. Then you have the hedgehog, petrified of losing money. So basically just holds on to it, but actually spends it, but tells everyone, you've got to be careful. You're not conned. And you've got the Scorpio. No, sorry, the meerkat, simply because the meerkat takes such risks in eating Scorpio, uh, Scorpios. So that's the pure risk taker. Will literally waste money just on a potential of achieving more return, even mm -hmm. though at the end of the day, they could end up losing it all. So, yeah, it's, it's nine characters in total. How interesting. And is it a storybook or um, is it more of an informative book? It's an informative book and mm -hmm. you've got some useful ideas to look at your behaviour, why you behave it as you do, um, your parents' behaviour, because you often take things from your parent without realising it. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. so yes, it's based on that. There's also a video on my YouTube, What's Your Money Personality? Have you got um, a YouTube channel? Yes, yes. What's it called? Karen Bashford. Okay, and you have a website. And yes, and that's the website manifestinglady.com. Manifesting Lady. Yeah. That Dot sounds com. like a film. Like an old-fashioned film. <laughs> it does. It does, really. When I saw that, The Manifesting Lady, and I thought, my goodness, it sounds like a very aristocratic lady. I'm definitely not that. <laughs> well, you are in spirit. Who knows? Yes, I might be in spirit. But The Manifesting Lady come about simply because people would have conversations with me and I'd give them ideas and they'd go away and implement them and come back and say, it worked. I've got more money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like a little fairy godmother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, that's how the title come about, The Manifesting Lady. And that's your website, www.manifestinglady.com. It's the manifesting lady. The manifesting .com in, yeah, and people com. can get in contact with you there and you're happy to yeah. hear from people. Yeah, I'm more than happy to hear. There is a facility to book a 30-minute um, Discover You call. So mm -hmm. we can, um, there's a questionnaire to answer once you book the call. It just asks simple questions, what's happened in your life and things like that. Simply because it gives me a chance to get to know you before we have the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm the kind of person that will turn around and say, I'm happy to chat with you, but I don't feel you're in the right place to deal with me at the moment because my work is so deep level. And in itself, it's like having major surgery without the cutting. Mm -hmm. So if I don't feel 
it's the right thing for you, I will say so. Well, that's very gallant of you. I mean, that's lovely. That is so unusual in this day and age. But I really respect that because that is really a sincere thing to do. Well, I like that. I'm not going to help them in the way that mm. I would want to. So I'd rather not start and then find yeah. that they struggle. So no, mm. I'd rather just say no. But yeah, they're welcome, as I say. Good, good. Contact form now and they're welcome to fill it in. Be brave and contact Karen. You never know what, what's going to come out of it. No, you don't. <laughs> well, thank you, dear Karen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, what an what a fantastic talk we had it was lovely and thank you for having me on here oh you're very welcome and come back again come back i would again love and, uh, to and tell us all your adventures and <laughs> um we'd love to know more about all the other things um that you do so that would be wonderful but I wish you, you all the very best and um, have a wonderful evening. What's left of it? Thank you so much. Oh. You. you take, take care. care. Now. Take care. Bye. Right. Bye. Karen Bashford. What an interesting lady and a very interesting conversation, I have to say. Thank you so much for joining me today. I send you lots of love and lots of good wishes. Until next time, look after yourselves and take care. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk